Well, what a busy week it has been in the Big 12 basketball world. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It is great to be here with you for another week, and we appreciate you joining us. Well, congratulations, by the way. A big congratulations to the Baylor Bears winning the national championship. Yes, winning the national title on Monday night over Gonzaga, 86-70 to to win their first NCAA tournament national championship. An impressive showing. They jumped out to a big lead. And, you know, Gonzaga cut it down to 10 at halftime, but it was really uh, never in doubt um, after that early lead. And you look at the guys that really got it done for them. Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, Adam Flagler, Davion Mitchell, they combined to finish with 69 points, those four dudes. And they knock off Gonzaga, who was looking to cap off the first perfect season since 1976. Now, I never felt like Gonzaga was going to be in the lexicon of the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. It just, I, like, when you play in the conference Gonzaga plays in, I'm sorry, you don't get the benefit of the doubt to be in that conversation. You don't. And I'm not saying this as somebody that watched, watched a lot of Gonzaga basketball. I, I didn't, okay? But I know basketball well enough, and we all know, I believe, college basketball well enough to know that Gonzaga is a really good team, super talented, no doubt about it. Mark Few is a great coach. That team in any Power 5 league in this country would have lost a couple of games, all right, just because you've got night-in, night-out competition at the Power 5 level. I mean, this team in the Big 12 would have been great. You know, might have been one or two in the regular season, flip-flopping with Baylor, but they would have lost a couple of games. You're telling me that Gonzaga would have gotten through the gauntlet of the Big 12 unscathed, taking on Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Texas. They would have gotten through that gauntlet, double round robin, unscathed. No way would that have happened. So this whole thing, oh, Gonzaga, perfect season on the line. Yeah, it was, but even if they had won that game, I wouldn't have put Gonzaga in that, you know, all-time tier. I mean, it would have looked good, but sorry, I wasn't going to do it. No way. And you know what? Baylor, uh, for the most part, took him to the woodshed. Now, maybe Gonzaga had a bit of a hangover from the thrilling end to the UCLA game on Saturday night in the Final Four, the buzzer beater. Maybe that was it. And, you know, you did have a situation there where Jalen Suggs got a couple of early fouls, their star freshman guard. And he is one of the projected to be one of the top few picks in the NBA draft this year. So he'll be gone. Maybe he's a guy who, uh, if he doesn't pick up those two fouls early, things look a little bit different. I don't know. But I will say that, you know, right now I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, Baylor won the national title. Uh, We thought all year Baylor had a chance to be the best team in college basketball. They had that COVID shutdown uh, that cost them a few weeks and it took them some time to, dig out of that to get their groove back. But they eventually did do it, and they did it well, and they did it effectively. So that's how we got to look at this, and that's how it's got to be considered. And uh, credit to the Baylor Bears and credit to Scott Drew, who has taken this program from a dumpster fire almost 20 years ago now, and I mean a dumpster fire. You couldn't have a program in a worse situation than what 
Scott Drew uh, took over for Baylor when he was a guy who was like 30 years old. He was a kid when he took over this job. Go back. I saw a uh, video of uh, Scott Drew's opening press conference at Baylor. He's a kid. To now, almost 20 years later, winning a national championship. Um, Just unbelievable what he has done with this program and how he's turned it around and how they're now, you know, part of that national conversation will continue to be year in, year out. I mean, they're, they're, they're the Big 12 team right now, right? I mean, go down the list. Go down the list. And if you look at it, this was the first time. This was the first time since 2008 that a Big 12 team won the NCAA tournament. Despite the fact that Kansas has been so good, this was the first time that a Big 12 team had done it. You look back over the past 13 years, you know, Villanova, North Carolina, Duke, UConn, Louisville, Kentucky. uh, Those are the teams that have won the national title. It was all the way back in 2008, the overtime game, Kansas, taking on Memphis, that great game with Mario Chalmers, that the Big 12 won a national title. Prior to that, you had to go back to, geez, that's the only technical Big 12 team to win a national championship. Prior to that, it would be Kansas back in 1988. That's what we're talking about here. And Baylor did something that really nobody else has done in a generation outside of Kansas in this conference, and that is win the NCAA tournament. So kudos to them for doing it. Uh, The knock on the Big 12, and I heard this and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, was that, well, you know, the Big 12 is, is, is really good at the top. Baylor's great, but nobody else is really worth anything. They're kind of all overrated riding Baylor's coattails. I don't buy that for a second. I don't. No way. I think Baylor's just that good. I believe the depth in this Big 12 this past year was legitimate. I believe it was the deepest conference in the country, bar none. I stand by it. Yes, a couple of teams got knocked out earlier than they should. And it's completely changed the trajectory, by the way, of the Big 12. I mean, think about this. If Shaka Smart doesn't lose to Abilene Christian, is he still employed at Texas? Probably. I don't know. Maybe some people will say if he didn't get to the Sweet 16, he would have been canned. I I don't know. But certainly the odds go up drastically. If Shaka Smart beats Abilene Christian in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and as a result, Chris Beard is not going from Lubbock to Austin, and then you've also got a situation where Texas Tech is not hiring Mark Adams or promoting Mark Adams to be his next head basketball coach. The way the dominoes fell in the Big 12, fascinating because it changed the trajectory of multiple programs. Multiple programs, right? Is Lon Kruger, is he a guy who just said enough's enough? Uh, I'm done here with the way the NCAA tournament went, or was he going to do this no matter what? Now, Lon Kruger was probably going to do this no matter what. Just my hunch, no matter what happened in the uh, NCAA tournament this year, probably wasn't going to matter much for him because, you know, his kid's got the UNLV job and he's ready to be a grandpa and retire, and God bless him for it. The Iowa State firing of Steve Prohm wasn't going to change, obviously, but... Uh, the trajectory of Texas and Texas Tech changed dramatically with how the NCAA tournament went for the Texas Longhorns. But I still do believe that when we talk about uh, specifically the Big 12, Baylor winning it all, 
this conference this past year should not be looked at as simply Baylor and everybody else. Baylor, I believe, was partially as good as it was in this tournament because it played in the Big 12, because it competed two to three nights a week against the best competition in America. You had defensive-minded go-getter teams like Tech, right? You had teams uh, also, of course, like West Virginia, similar mold. You had star freshmen like Cade Cunningham, who's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. You had the Kansas Jayhawks, who always have talent and great coaching. Doing that two to three nights a week, of course, minus the three-week break, should not be understated in terms of prepping you for an NCAA tournament and prepping you for a Gonzaga. Baylor had seen teams closer to Gonzaga's uh, ability than Gonzaga had seen teams closer to Baylor's ability. That's evident. You know, when you get a draw like UCLA and 11 seed in the Final Four, you're not seeing a team close to Baylor's caliber. You're not. And that was evident on Monday night. So now let's talk about the fact that uh, Mark Adams has been hired to take over for Chris Beard, the associate head coach after Beard goes to Texas. A little background on Adams. Uh, he knows this program well. He did a stint with the Red Raiders as director of basketball operations 2013 to 2015. Then he joined uh, Chris Beard in Arkansas Little Rock for a year. Then he came back to Lubbock with Chris Beard in 2016. He was promoted to associate head coach after they were the runner-up in the NCAA tournament. Prior to all that, he was the Howard College head coach from 2004 to 2013. He's gotten a lot of love on social media from uh, former players. He is well-respected at the university and with this program. He's got, obviously, huge shoes to fill. But um, this is a guy who has been in charge of the Texas Tech successful defense over the past five years. That garnered him a lot of attention around the basketball world, including including at the NBA level, where the Chicago Bulls were apparently interested in Adams for their head coaching job in 2019. So this is a guy who has uh, gotten a lot of well-deserved attention, and I'm excited to see what he does. It's always different being the head coach. It's just a different beast versus being the associate. Uh, but all of the early returns are that this is a guy who is ready for the moment, who can handle the moment, who won't be overwhelmed by replacing somebody like Chris Beard and who already has support from a lot of people in the building. And that matters. That matters. So we're rooting for uh, Mark Adams, and, and hopefully he can keep that program uh, on pace from where it's been and keep it going uh, where it will continue to be. But that was the other big news after Chris Beard, of course, skipping town for Texas last week. And I don't know about you. I, was, um, I wasn't shocked. But, boy, I cannot blame Tech fans for being ticked off. I really can't. I can't blame you. You're in the conference, going to your most hated rival in the state. Ah, boy. At the same time, if that was Chris Beard's dream job, so be it. But I'll tell you right now that Tech fans have every right to be pissed. And there will be no love lost when... Chris Beard comes to Lubbock in Burnt Orange next fall. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up, let's talk to our guy, Matthew Poston, to put a bow on the Big 12 basketball season. He's coming up in just a few minutes here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com.
And before we get into it with Matthew, please take a moment out and uh, don't forget to leave a rating, review, subscribe to this podcast. You know why? Because we've got a free koozie with your name on it. Yes, a Heartland College Sports koozie with your name on it. All you do is leave a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I've got a free koozie for you as we uh, turn the corner to summer. Yeah, right around the corner. So it helps the show out tremendously when you guys do that. So thank you for doing it and uh, being a part of helping this show grow. Appreciate you guys. Well, the Baylor Bears are national champs, taking care of Gonzaga on Monday nights in the men's NCAA tournament finals. And now, yes, the Big 12 is national champs as a result. First time since Kansas in 2008, only the second time in Big 12 history. Matthew Postens is our Big 12 basketball insider. He has joined us all season long. I'm Pete Mundo. All right, Matthew, Scott Drew turning this program around for the past 20 years. What is so impressive about the way that Scott Drew has gone about his business in taking this program out of the doldrums of college basketball? Well, I, I think with Scott Drew, it was just patience in his plan. He he felt like he had a plan. He felt like, uh, you know, when so many coaches like him, you know, take over a program that was in that kind of condition, they either get impatient and they either cut corners or they move on to another school. He didn't do either one of those things. Um, there's never been a whiff of scandal around that program in the 18 years that he's been there. Uh, he's built that program the right way with uh, his kind of student athletes. They've certainly had their bumps along the way, but you know, you saw the full vision of what he was hoping to do with this program on Monday night against Gonzaga, a completely dominating performance against one of the best teams in the country. And now they can hang a banner in the Farrell Center alongside the women's program, which has been so good for so long. On that note, Matthew, what does this mean for the Big 12? Do we overrate that? Like, oh, this is great for the Big 12. Uh, first time they've been national champs since Kansas in 08. Only the second time in the history of the Big 12 that they are champs to the NCAA tournament. Does that stuff matter for the conference, or is that kind of overblown? I think it's a little overblown, but at the same time, you know, this is a conference that has been around for 25 years and really has been probably one of the best two conferences in college basketball for the last half dozen years if you look at RPI and analytics and things like that. And when you consider that going into the tournament, we felt like the Big Ten and the Big 12 were the two best conferences in the tournament. And ultimately, the Big 12 won the national championship, but they were the only team from either one of those conferences to get there. Um, it's kind of interesting to juxtapose what we thought about those two conferences at the beginning of this tournament against where they ended up. I think it's a little overblown, but at the same time, it's a nice feather for the entire conference, but it's not going to be like the SEC where everybody's crowing about Alabama winning a national championship. I agree with that. And then from the standpoint of the state of Texas, only the second program in the state of Texas to win a national championship in men's college basketball. What is, what does that mean for the state? If anything at all? I think that might be a bigger deal because basketball is becoming a bigger thing down here in Texas. I mean, it's not obviously to the level of an Indiana, but it's becoming a bigger deal when you see guys like Chris Beard moving to Texas, uh, when you see um, different programs like Abilene Christian beating Texas in the first round of the NCAA tournament, um, my alma mater, Stephen F. Austin, which has been a really good mid-major for the last decade. Uh, the basketball around the state is getting better. And, and you know, a team like Baylor winning, is only going to enhance the state's reputation. It's not going to be like a huge bounce or anything like that, 
But I, I could see the state getting a little bit of a bump from that just in terms of its reputation. And just in terms of recruits from outside of the state looking at schools in the state of Texas and thinking to themselves, that's a place I could go to get an education, you know, play basketball, and maybe ultimately go to the NBA. Yeah, no doubt about it. Matthew Poston's joining us. All right, Matthew, we've also had a game of musical chairs when it comes to the uh, coaches now in the Big 12. Uh, unbelievable. We're going to have four new coaches, at least uh, not four new coaches, three new coaches, four different programs changing their coaches. So take me through, uh, let's start with the big one. Chris Beard going to Texas. Uh, Texas Tech promotes Mark Adams. I was surprised. I thought Chris Beard would stay at Texas Tech. I thought he had loyalty there. I thought he knew what he had. I think that Texas job comes with a lot of headaches, and Chris Beard wouldn't want to deal with it. He didn't seem like that kind of guy. I was wrong. What did you think? Well, I think that Texas ultimately was endgame for him. You know, if you really think about it, he did have everything that he needed at Texas Tech. Brand new practice facility players that, that liked him, a uh, great staff, a great situation. I think one of the best situations in the conference, honestly. And, you know, he went ahead and left for Texas. That tells me that the, the Texas job is the job that he has always wanted. And when that job comes open, you go. And the same holds true for Mark Adams, who was the associate head coach on Tech staff under Chris Beard. He's a West Texas native, grew up in Plainview, went to Tech as an undergrad. He, you know, was a student manager, like Chris Beard was a student manager for Tom Penders. Mark Adams followed Gerald Myers around in the 70s, who was their best head coach up until the time Chris Beard got there. So there's a lot of reasons for both of these coaches to take these jobs, but ultimately I think it was end the game for both of them. Beard ultimately probably in, in his early 20s said, I want to coach the Texas Longhorns one day. Mark Adams probably said the same thing back in his early 20s, and both guys get what they want. And it's funny, at Mark Adams' intro press conference earlier this week, he was the only person at Tech to thank Chris Beard. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, do you think that Chris Beard will have success at Texas like he had at Texas Tech? Or is he going to be the latest guy who comes in uh, to Texas with big money, high expectations, and whatever the sport is and comes up short? Uh, it's a really good question. You know, He's staking his reputation as a coach on coming to Texas and making them better than they were under Shaka Smart. Um, he's a talented recruiter. He's already hit the ground running. He hasn't signed any transfers yet that I'm aware of, but that's only a matter of time. But he said his first order of business was to talk to guys like Matt Coleman and Jericho Sims, get their sense of whether they were going to use their additional year of eligibility to come back, keeping guys like Courtney Ramey and Matt Coleman. I think people kind of underestimated the amount of talent Shaka Smart left Chris Beard. You know, so far the players that have, you know, transferred away are, are not big time guys. So if Chris Beard can keep all those guys together and recruit the way he recruits, they might take a bit of a step back next year. But, you know, Chris Beard's made it very clear. He's there to win championships. He's there not to rebuild, but to move forward. And, you know, he's staking his reputation as a coach on being able to do that. I'm going to be interested to see if he can do it as quickly as Texas alums want him to, which is, you know, probably yesterday. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, yesterday's the answer there. All right. So then uh, let's go up to Norman, go up by 35, go to Norman, where Porter Mosier, after Lon Kruger retires, Porter Mosier's taken over from Loyola, Chicago. I mean, he's had a couple of great NCAA tournament runs, but uh, the resume also around that, Matthew, isn't like uh, a rock solid. So how risky of a hire is this for Joe Castiglione and the Sooners? It's a risk. I mean, his reputation is built around what he did at Loyola Chicago. He, he built a really good program there. 
uh, won nearly 100 games the last four years, went to a Final Four. You know, his previous two stops, he was solid, but not spectacular. His only uh, high major experience is as an assistant coach under Tony Barone at Texas A&M. So um, he's going to a program that I think will be patient with him because I think they understand, you know, losing a guy like Long Kruger is a big deal. And then what they've lost since then, you know, with uh, Austin Reeves and Devion Harmon declaring for the NBA draft, Brady Manick going into the transfer portal, a couple of other players have followed suit. So he's going. they're going to take a step back, I think, a little bit from a talent standpoint if all those players leave and don't come back. So I think they're going to be patient with his ability to build the program. I think he has a good plan coming in. I think that his recruiting ties in Chicago are a big deal because Chicago is a really good city for uh, high school basketball, and he could probably sell those folks on coming down to Oklahoma. The, the thing that Long Kruger said at his exit press conference was interesting. He said, I knew Oklahoma had a really good brand before I got here, but I didn't understand the global reach of that brand until I took over. What they're hoping is that Mosier can use that global reach to bring in some guys that can help them immediately. But it's going to be, it's not going to be an Iowa State rebuild, but he's going to need a little time to get his feet under him. And if they're, if they're going back to the NCAA tournament in year two or year three, I think that's a good start for them. He's Matthew Postens. He's been great all season here at Heartland College Sports Weekly talking Big 12 hoops. Matthew, we end the season with a national title for this conference. Uh, the work has been outstanding. It's been great to to share you and talk to you uh, with our listeners, and we'll be doing it again real soon, my friend. Thanks so much. Hey, you bet. It's been a great season. Uh, congratulations to Baylor, and let's do it again next uh, November. And we absolutely will. I'm Pete Mundo. Final thoughts. Wrap it up the show. Coming up next. Final few minutes on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. So we are now in uh, football spring practice mode, offseason mode, uh, basketball's in the books. Congratulations to the Baylor Bears. Our guy Derek Duke had a lot of fun with uh, this piece he wrote this week. You should go check it out at the website. Uh, top 10 Big 12 quarterbacks since conference realignment. This is something that, uh, you know, is, is a lot of fun to do because we're heading into year 10. Year 10 of the new Big 12. Like, think about that. That chaos from conference realignment is now a decade old. It's amazing that we are closer to more conference realignment than we were to the last round of conference realignment. It scares me. I know, you know, you're like, no, don't ruin my day with that kind of news. But it is fascinating that if you look at the timeline, you know, we're two, three years away from conference realignment chatter, picking back up again. It's pretty crazy. But anyway, he put together a list of the top 10 Big 12 quarterbacks since conference realignment. And uh, here was the list from numbers one through 10. Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma's Kyler Murray, Texas Tech's Patrick Mahomes, Oklahoma's Landry Jones. Let's see, Oklahoma State's Mason Rudolph, TCU's Trevon Boykin, Kansas State's Colin Klein, West Virginia's Will Greer, Baylor's Bryce Petty and Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy for the top 10 quarterbacks in the Big 12 since the last round of conference realignment in 2012. The honorable mentions, Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger, Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts, and West Virginia's Geno Smith. Now, a lot of talk around Geno Smith. Let's make it clear, though. If Geno Smith had played more than one year in the Big 12, he's probably in that top 10 and not an honorable mention. But he only played one year in the Big 12. 
That's why Geno Smith is down there in an honorable mention category instead of being in the top 10. That's what that's all about. So West Virginia fans understand that. All right. That's a lot of Mountaineers fans got on us for that. And it's like, hey, he only spent technically one year in the conference. We can't count the Big East towards the Big 12. We just can't do it. Now, this this can go in so many different directions, right? Baker, number one to me, is the no-brainer. Mahomes at three. You want to make him two? I guess you could do that. But, boy, I mean, Iowa State fans always remind you of this, by the way. Amazingly, Patrick Mahomes lost his last regular season game as a college quarterback to Iowa State 66-10. to 10. Like, that still is amazing to me. And it's even more amazing that in the wake of all that, his former coach, now Arizona Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury, it's like, looks like he's a pretty good NFL coach. I, I just don't get how a guy like Patrick Mahomes loses to a guy like Iowa State, a team like Iowa State, 66 to 10. This was not Iowa State of the last couple of years, right? It was not. So it's kind of amazing, but that did happen. I would have had Sam Ellinger in the top 10. That's what I would have done. I would have had him in the top 10. I would have probably bumped out Brock Purdy. Uh, Ellinger has done it for and did it for longer. He's obviously done now. Uh, they both got to Big 12 championship games. So I would have put Ellinger in the top 10 and probably put Purdy in the honorable mention category. But if Purdy had a big year this year, I would obviously change those standings and put him right into that uh, top 10 and bump out Ellinger or something like that. But really interesting stuff. And it's the kind of thing where... You know, I think about it, and uh, it, it's those fun lists that I love doing and I love having uh, fun with. Speaking of football, CBS Sports put together its list of uh, college football's bounce-back teams in 2021. There was one Big 12 team on the list, and it was the Baylor Bears. They went 2-7 and seven under Dave Aranda in his first year on campus. Now, I believe Baylor can make a jump, but, like, what's a bounce-back for Baylor? At two and seven. Is it just making a bowl game? Is it being in the top half of the standings of the Big 12? Like, what does that look like? Dave Aranda did walk into an impossible situation. There's no doubt about it. First year head coach, COVID hits, no practice, barely any summer camp. Boom, season gets going. They had a couple of cancellations over COVID, everything else. But I will say that the problem I have with saying Baylor's a bounce back team is find me the team they're going to jump. Oklahoma and Iowa State are the two favorites. Texas has new leadership. Yeah, the hype, okay, but still, they got a ton of talent. Oklahoma State returns a ton on defense. They're a year older on offense. TCU is due for a breakthrough. Maybe they jump K-State and Texas Tech. I mean, it's a bounce back going from two to four conference wins. I guess that depends on your definition. But the one thing that I see holding back possibly a bounce back for Baylor is just how darn good and deep this conference is. So, We'll see how it plays out because it's going to be very, very interesting. Before you guys close out, please subscribe to this podcast. It helps us keep growing. It helps us with the uh, folks over there at Apple iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. And also what helps us is leaving a rating and a review. And that's why I'm sending you a free koozie when you leave me a rating and a review on this podcast. You get a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail when you leave me a rating and a review and you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get a koozie in the mail for you guys as we turn the corner from spring soon enough in to summer. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. And tomorrow on the podcast, we'll talk with Justin Wells from Inside Texas about Shaka Smart moving on, Chris Beard coming in, spring football practice as well. 
So Justin Wells tomorrow on the show. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you soon.